you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take time and turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, and we will read in just a couple minutes, verses 1 through 4, the arrival, we'll speak today of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to welcome every single one of you here today. It is a delight, it is a joy to be in the Lord's house, to lift up voices, to already be encouraged and blessed by your ministering um, through song. Thank you, Matt, for leading us. Um, I'm going to use that, that Pastor Aaron, yeah, if things go south here, I had a bat in the room. Just had a bat in the room. I'm going to use that. I think that's a great one. Yeah, yeah, this is hard. We had a bat in the room last night. I got to remember that one. <clears throat> I did not have, we did not have a bat in our room, so I have nothing to blame anything on. <clears throat> This is, a, uh, this is a weekend that we set apart to remember those who have um, sacrificed, offered their lives for the freedoms and graces of our country. Um, many people have asked me, it has been for more than 30 years, I, I wear on my left wrist and have, there's been several of them over the years, um, a bracelet, an MIA bracelet, missing in action or KIA killed in action. Um, this particular bracelet I've had for a number of years and engraved in it is the name of my wife's first cousin, Aaron Henderson, who I played basketball with when he was young and I went to see him pitch and he coached my son when he was little and Aaron on October the 2nd in Afghanistan serving as specialist first class um, as a Green Beret, there was, um, he was done his missions. He was done, and he was heading home for his fourth and final tour. And there was a young guy who was heading out, and Aaron was concerned about this young man that he was not experienced enough. And Aaron said, you stay, and I will go. I was woken in the middle of the night about two days later to say that Aaron stepped on an IED and was killed. You know, that's, that's a lot. You watch this kid grow up, great athlete, funny, great family. His dad and Wendy's dad were twin brothers. And, and I think about this weekend that we set aside of the graces that we have been given as a country and the freedoms. And we don't take that lightly or for granted, but let me tell you this. I think of another one. I, I, Memorial Day never goes by without me thinking of another one who stepped in to fight another battle for us, who um, died on our behalf. Memorial Day is a reflection not only of the men and women who have given their lives, but I think it's a reminder of Jesus Christ who gave his life so that we could live. Let's hold on to that thought as well this weekend. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Um, thank the Lord for a great day and pray for help as we dive into his word this morning. Father, we do love you and we thank you as we are reminded of the freedoms that we have as a country, individuals, the graces that you have lavishly poured out that we just do not deserve. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of many over the years. Father, it's a reminder that we are... We are eternally grateful 
for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You offered your own son to suffer and die on the cross on our behalf. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus did not stay dead, that he rose again. Father, we serve a living God. And we thank you for that. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would minister as you see fit this morning. Use your word and just reveal it to us. We, we address, Lord, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we ask right now that the Holy Spirit would just go to work. Just reveal to us, refresh in us, renew our hearts and our minds to understand the power that exists in who you are and what you've called us to do. Lord, as a church, uh, we need your help. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to gather, to sing, to learn. May you be glorified in this. Please, Lord, give me the help that I am in constant and desperate need of. We ask this in strong and powerful and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. <clears throat> we began our new series last week, Ecclesia. We looked at the promise that says what? Jesus says, I will, I will build my church. And we breathe a sigh of relief with that. I breathe a sigh of relief with that. God has this, okay? Today, we're going to look at another promise. Jesus says this, I will come to you. He promises, I will come to you. We're going to, we're going to unpack that and, and get eventually towards the latter part of five points of how the Lord is ministering to us today through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we're going to begin in what I honestly believe one of my favorite scenes, one of my favorite scenes in all of the narrative of the book of Acts um, Jesus has just commissioned this small group of believers. Um, it's recorded in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We see it as well in Acts chapter 1. And, and Jesus literally on the top of Mount of Olives, he ascends to heaven. Um, and, and there's an angel that appears. And people, are, they're just staring. They're up. He was there a minute ago. And their mouths are open. And I'm sure they're looking upward. And an angel says this. This is one of my favorite phrases in all of Acts. Why are you stand here looking like why are you standing around looking like imagine what they just saw like any one of us would be like why are you standing around there's a sense of urgency with the message just as jesus went up so jesus will come down and we work for that moment we live for that moment the the followers of jesus they returned to what is referred to as the upper room. <clears throat> they were meeting together. They meet together. There's a sense of, of joy. There's a sense of, of unity. They're committed to one another. Uh, they're singing probably together. They are praying together. We know that. They're eating together. I'm sure they're, 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 they're teaching the scriptures and they're learning together. We have... In a sense, in that upper room moment, we have what I would refer to as hour one. We have day one. We have meeting one of the first New Testament church service. You realize that? That's like our forefathers. Like what we do here, we gather together, ecclesia, gather together for a purpose. That glimpse in Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two, where we'll read in just a moment, that's like, that's our history. Never imagined I have given great thought to this. What would it be like just to kind of like, just like sit in a corner? Like no one really know that we were there. Just sitting there and watching and listening what's going on. 
You know, we're just kind of like leaning against the wall. Maybe our, our knees pulled up to our chest. And we're just like leaning in. Wow. I think one of the first questions we would ask is this. Why did Jesus choose those people? Why, why that bunch? You would think, in all honesty, one of the primary job descriptions of the disciples, the apostles, <clears throat> to be up front, <clears throat> excuse me, to speak and to lead. Okay, you would probably think that Jesus would have chose people who were used to doing that or familiar with doing that, rabbis, scholars, scribes, theologians, uh, gifted orators, experts in some way. And even if they weren't experts, perhaps individuals that had some resources, they had connections or they had money or they had education. I think the question is like, why did Jesus choose this group? Because sitting in that group, were, were, were fishermen. They were fishermen, like a lot of them. One of them was a, a former tax collector. He was just a thief, a crook. Another one was a, a member of a radical political group, the, the Zealots. There were women, obviously, there. We were like, oh, good, thankfully, there's some, some, some women there. There's some hope for this group. Actually, the, the women didn't add a whole lot more. A former prostitute, one that had been demon-possessed. There's, there's widows here. There's poor people. They're ordinary people. They're rough people. There is no search committee on, on the entire globe that would ever choose this, this group. There's no team that would ever draft them and say, yeah, I'll, I'll take that guy, you know, the one who's fighting with his brother? No, not like that at all. God intentionally chose that group. Why? Because Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world so no human being might boast in the presence of God. Two words repeated three times. God chose. Oh, I don't know about you. I love being picked. I love that. All of us do you realize that, in a sense, this group right here in, in this little what corner of, of Pennsylvania, God picked you to do his work right here. Do you realize that God chose the foolish? That would be me. I'm at the front of the long line. God chose the weak. That's me. God chose the poor. That's us to do his work work if we were sitting in a corner we were watching this group there's about 120 it's a big room first church service and we just listened to them talk no doubt maybe reminiscing recollecting some of the memories perhaps perhaps you could listen to conversations of the disciples talking amongst themselves you guys remember when we were in that boat man Remember that storm? Remember you, Matthew, Mr. Tax Collector? You weren't used to this. You were crying like a little baby, weren't you? And, and, and you, Bartholomew, you were throwing up over the side of the boat. Don't try and hide it. We saw it. It was dark, but we still saw it. They're kind of like busting on one another because we do that. A bunch of people get together. Talk about the fact that, wow, you remember when he took that little boy's lunch and like, like we didn't have a whole lot. Like, it was just a little sack. And there were thousands. There were thousands. 
we, we got to serve. We got to pass out. We got to, like, explain the unexplainable. Think about, wow, the, the, the taste of the wine that Jesus made. It was amazing wine. Remember the leper, his, his skin had, had bubbled, his fingers had, had fallen off. God restored him, Jesus touched him. And the blind man, remember the blind man? And he could see, his vision was better than mine. I was testing it. His vision was better. This is the conversation inevitably had to be going on. Or perhaps there were thoughts and memories that they recollect where their tone changes a little bit. Two brothers, James and John, can, can, can you, maybe they're whispering amongst themselves, can you believe we were arguing? Like, who got the best seat? Can we have the best seat? Can you believe we thought about that? Or Peter, Peter, just, just remembering the look when Jesus, what, was, was turning and looking at him after Peter had denied, and, and, and maybe just in silence or quietness, He remembers the rooster crowing and and there's a heaviness. Thomas, I can't believe. I doubt it. That's that's inevitably what's going on here. We we know that that Jesus told us, he talked about the fact that he was going. There's going to be something. There's going to be the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, a a comforter, a convictor, something, someone, something's got to happen. And they're together together. Singing, praying, learning. What's next? Here it is. Follow along with me. This is what's next. This is what's next. This is where it happens. This is our history. These are our ancestors, our spiritual forefathers. Acts chapter 2, pick it up with me in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire, fire, appeared to them and and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is it. Begins with the day of Pentecost. What's interesting here is that this, this actually tracks very specific for us. And this is very interesting and helpful for us to know. We learn in church, right? The day of Pentecost was the feast that was held 50 days after the feast of the first fruits, which took place on the day after the Sabbath following the Passover, which we know as Resurrection Sunday. So it clearly dates how long it has been since Jesus has ascended into heaven? Because we know they ministered for 40 days. So 10 days. They've just been hanging together. 10 days. Just wanted to spend time together. They wanted to be with one accord. There's a sense of unity, of, of oneness. There's, there's like to be together. There's a sense of uncertainty. There's the unknown, like what's next? Let's just gather together. Let's just hang here for a while. What's interesting is that you and I both can attest to the fact in days of uncertainty, and we've been in them, in, in days of difficulty or days of duress, 
times of tragedy, what happens? People gather together. I have been with families. A loved one has unexpectedly been killed. And what happens? You go into the home and it's filled. You usually can't park in the driveway because there's too many cars lined up. And, and it's hard. And they have to get chairs from other places. And they borrow the neighbor's chairs. Why? Because everyone seems to be together. Everyone wants to be together. The kids won't remember this. I can't believe the kids won't remember this. Remember the day, us old people, the day after 9-11? 9-11 was on a Tuesday morning. On Wednesday, I was pastoring this little tiny country church in the middle of the woods in northern Maine. And on Wednesday, we said, let's gather together. Let's gather together, and we're going we're gonna to pray. People, people came who, who never came to church before. People came out of the woods. I, I didn't even know. The place was packed. What's interesting is that after we prayed for a long period of time, they just stayed there. They prayed, and they stayed there. They just, they just didn't want to leave. They just wanted to be together. There was a sense of what we've all been through this. We've all been through this sense of, of shock, and this is what I was going through. This is what I felt. You know, that, that time of difficulty draws people together. That's what's happening here, the sense of, of unity. There's a sense of, of oneness. There's no, there's no people bickering at that point. There's no fights and there's no feuds. There's no altercations. There's no arguments. All of that stuff is silliness. It doesn't matter. There's just a sense of togetherness. Togetherness. They just want to be together. And suddenly, they'd been together for a while. And suddenly, it's very easy for us, it's easy for me to become focused on, on, on what happens next because we love what, we're, we're visual learners often and we love the sights and we love the sounds and there's, there's, it's, it's all there. There's the sound of a rushing wind, like uh, uh, an oncoming train. You, like, you, you almost feel it if you've been close. And, and there's something that there are tongues of, of fire. And, and this is just like totally, totally wild. People begin to, to speak in, in languages that they've, they've never spoke before. An absolute miracle. A guy who took eight years of French and I flunked all eight years to be able to just gift it. Oh, I speak of my little brother-in-law, Wendy's little brother, Brad, who's planting churches in Tanzania. You know him and love him. We support them. I taught him in junior high. It's not, it's not a shock to say the kid was numb as a stump. And he is preaching in Swahili. He's, had, he, he's, he's been influential in planting three churches, and they're working on their fourth. That is a ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in that young man. We, we, love, we love this stuff. We love big, loud, impressive things. And there's even, there's even fire here. There's something about like fire, fire. We just love that. Tonight, tomorrow, you'll be gathered around a fire with family, roasting marshmallows. There's something that we just love to see. You know, I, I, I find that we can read this text. We, we've perhaps even memorized it, and we become so familiar with it that we, we, we kind of miss out. Like I think that we get caught up with the, the sights and the sounds that we're, we miss 
what's happening here? Like what is actually happening? What's taking place? Something, something supernatural. This is not commonplace. This is not normal. It's not natural. Something supernatural came from heaven and what invaded the lives of men and women here on this earth forever changing them. Something supernatural. Don't get caught up. We love the fire. We love the sounds. Don't get caught up in that. Something is happening here. Supernatural from heaven descended to earth, invaded the lives of men and women that forever changed them. It talks about the fact later on what? That these people, these few people in this one room, the description is that they turned the world upside down. Turned the world upside down. Another ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is a real person as part of the Trinity, separate yet complete, hard for us to understand, hard for us to truly comprehend and certainly measure with this idea that they were filled with the Spirit. They were filled with God himself. A couple of texts I want you to look at. Go with me back to the Gospel of John. And uh, John, it says this in, in chapter 14. We'll pick it up in, in verse 18. Jesus, again, he was in the same place. They were meeting in the upper room. This is before he obviously was crucified, before he resurrected, before uh, he ascended back to heaven and he's sitting and he's teaching. And, and he says this, he says in verse 18, I, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He talks about the fact that it's, it's to your advantage that I go away. Next, in, in, we see that in, in chapter 16. It's a benefit for you for me not to be here because when I go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come. I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. Look at this. I will come to you. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will will see me no more, but you will see me because I, I live and you also will live. We jump down in, in John chapter 14. We're in down to verse 26. Jesus continues, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that I have said to you. Jesus himself describes what's going to happen and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here, and then I'm not going to be here. I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphaned, un, un, unloved, untended to, uncared for, unshepherded. But I will come to you. A unique statement that speaks about the power of the Trinity, that Jesus Christ is what we know. He, at this point, is seated at the right hand of his Father, but he will still come to you in what? In spirits. The word helper that's used in, in John chapter 14 earlier is parakletos, one who comes alongside or one who comforts. In, in, in verse 25, we hear this word, the Holy Spirit, spirit. In Hebrew, it's rock. It's used 90 times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the same word for the most part is, is pneuma. 
In, it's used over 250 times in the New Testament. In both references, both words speak about wind or breath. The general idea is the same. Both express energy and motion. They both speak about life and, and activity. The Holy Spirit is the spirit set apart, belonging to God. He is God's power and he is God's presence within his own people. But we, we talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit has for us immense, immeasurable power. I'll come to you. I'm going to make you different than you used to be. What kind of power is this? Like, how do we, how do we measure what is God's power? It, it's, hard, it's hard for us even to, to fathom. I visited a couple times. Kids were young once. And then, then I think a summer or two ago, we stood on, on a, a little boat at the base of Niagara Falls. Some of you have done that. And you've, you've heard this. You can't even talk to the person next to you. You're, you're, it's, a, it's a deafening roar. You're screaming. Because the person's right there. They can't even hear you. You're soaking wet. You put a like, garbage bag on you. You pay like $9 for the garbage bag. You're soaking wet. You feel the spray. There's this thunderous Niagara Falls. Statistics tell us what? More than 6 million cubic feet of water flow per minute, capable of producing 4 million kilowatts of, of electricity. It's like it's, it's unbelievable. Think of that as, forgive me, it's like, it's like spit in comparison to the power of God. The power of God. Lay, next time we ever, if the clouds ever move away, okay, and like we ever have some sunshine and we have a clear night, lay, bring, bring a blanket out on your front lawn, okay, and, and lay on your back on the blanket and look up at night, and you get a glimpse of, of the power that exists in the word of God. They estimate more than 100 to 200 billion stars in our one galaxy. 100 to 200 billion stars in our own galaxy, the Milky Way. And they estimate in some way how, I, I don't even understand. They estimate there's about 100 billion galaxies. And God spoke it. He spoke it into existence. And that same God indwells his own people. We recognize that we are a sinner. Not a lot of convincing on that. We recognize that we fall short of God's holiness. There's a great chasm and distance between sinful man and a holy God. And yet Jesus entered when we put our faith and our trust in the work of Jesus Christ, who died as the only sinless sacrifice on that cross. He died, he suffered, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. We put our life, and just, just I was listening to a song, thy will be done this morning. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. It's, Lord, it's, it's all about you. We live like that. Lord, we are yours. Then Jesus says, I will come to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does he minister? We get to point one. Isn't this well planned out? There's a bat in my room flying around crazy, crazy all night long. Very quickly, but you can write this down. You can track with me, okay? 
Number one, the Holy Spirit converts us. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He indwells us. He literally converts us. Great picture of this is Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He understood what, but he didn't experience the fact that Jesus actually, what, is teaching Nicodemus that he needs to be born again. Put it another way, he needs to be born of water and of spirit. We see that in John chapter 3, verse 5. He needs to be different than he once was. The Bible talks about being born again as one who has been literally given a new birth. Um, um, August the 26th is the day that I was born. October the 7th was the day that I was born again. And, and, and so, so we, we hold on to this idea. Literally, he converts us. He regenerates us. Conversion is brought on, is wrought on by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3 describes it like this. What? With the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So next to number one, make sure that you write Titus chapter 3 verse 5 and, and, and match that up. Read that tonight. Be reminded of the fact that I know people that were, 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 they were, they were literally just brawlers at every moment. They were rough and tough. And God has converted them. The Holy Spirit has worked in them. They're as gentle as a babysitter. Brawler, the babysitter. Why? Because the Holy Spirit converts. Number two, the Holy Spirit seals us. Write two references down. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. So number two, the Holy Spirit seals us. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Him you also, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. How important is this? We put our trust, we put our faith, and now what? The Holy Spirit is the one who seals us. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. There's that same word, for the day of redemption. Ministry of the Holy Spirit speaks about the fact that it doesn't matter what you read or hear in the news. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you don't care about that, but you know that you are ultimately safe and secure in his love and in his power. That's what it means to be sealed. I don't have to go to sleep at night wondering, like, oh, no, I, I, I thought this wrong thought, or I said this word I shouldn't have said. It. I guess that's it. I guess it's all over with, right? No. But grace, you're saved through faith. And I put my faith in Jesus, and Jesus says, I will come to you. The Holy Spirit seals us. Piper says this, John Piper says, sealed is a message of safety and security in God's love and power. I love that. It's, it's very simple. What is sealing? It is a message of safety and security in God's love and power. Everything like our plans don't work, everything kind of collapses around us. Guess what? Guess what stands up? A message of safety and security in God's love and God's power. The Holy Spirit converts us, the Holy Spirit seals us. Number three, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Oh, this is a tough part, but it's a necessary part. It's a needed part. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Jesus, when he was describing, remember in the upper room, he's talking to the disciples. He's describing what's going to happen. He describes it like this. He says, I I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, 
Okay, parakletos will not come to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, this is hard for us to comprehend, but we as a church are better off because Jesus is not physically here. Do you realize that you would have to go, you'd have to go to Palestine? You'd have to go to Jerusalem to, to, to be with God. You, you'd have to go to um, what? The mountainside. You have to be on a little boat in the Sea of Galilee in order to be there. That, that, that we don't have to do that any longer. You don't have to go anywhere. Why? Because Jesus said, I will come to you. He came to us. He goes wherever we go. He is everywhere. He is everything. Part of that ministry, convicting. Think about this. He steers us. Convicting means I don't have the liberty. I know about you. I, I can't go, I can't veer too far off the path, okay, without the Holy Spirit saying, idiot, what are you doing? You can't talk like that. You, 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 can't, you can't be frustrated. You can't be angry with that. You can't think that. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's like every day I need to die all over again. The Holy Spirit convicts me. I, I can't veer too, I don't want to veer too far off. God's called us, What? to do a task. He chose us to stay on the path. Be thankful for the convicting ministry, a heaviness, a weight, like I did this wrong. I need to go to that person and ask forgiveness. Yes, do that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. This is how Peter describes it. Peter talks in just language. I mean, he's, he's, he's a plain, clear thinker and speaker. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. He talks about the fact that, that, that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us in two ways. He sets us apart in Christ that we might be cleansed by his blood. And secondly, he works in us so that we can be obedient to Christ. The Holy Spirit is setting us apart for what? Ecclesia is people that have gathered together for a purpose. You are to be set apart or sanctified for a purpose. Holiness matters to us. And it must. Thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that sets us apart, sanctifies us. Fifthly and finally, Matt touched on this just last week in Sunday school. The Holy Spirit equips us, obviously, primarily through spiritual gifts. Um, Easy to remember, easy to remember. Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Matt, the math teacher, likes the 12 and the 12 and the, and the 4 and the 4 because we remember stuff like that. That's a great idea. And, and yet, rather than getting caught up in the nuances, he did an excellent job just reminding us that if you have serving gifts, then serve. Like, that's it. Just serve. You've been given a serving gift, serve. If you've been given speaking gift, speak. You better be careful with how you speak. You better speak the very words of God, the oracles of God, the words that God would use when he spoke, but that's all we have to do. Don't get caught up and like, I wish I was like as talented. No, if you have serving gifts, serve. If you have speaking gifts, speak. Guess who gave you those gifts? Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
want to close with the simple words of one of the men who were there. Again, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him. Beyond glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's the reason. Because we're, 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 we're just tenting through. I had a man in my driveway on Friday afternoon who said he's just, he's, just, he's just picking out his seat in hell. I said, doesn't have to be like that. Doesn't have to be like that. I said, you got 78.8 years on average. I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be picking out my seat in hell. God has called us, equipped us, set us apart to do a job. Thankfully, we don't have to do this job alone. He will build his church and he will and has promised and has come to us. Be encouraged through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this church, in your life. Father, we love you. We are amazed with your grace and your patience with us. Pray, Lord, that we would surrender constantly. We'd submit and that, that we would know of the power, fresh and new of what exists in our lives. And may we be a church that lives and breathes for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.